Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolport. I'm a fourth generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Welcome, everybody, to the Stitch Please podcast. We are back once again with another fantastic episode. I'm your host, Lisa, and I am talking today with Miss Becca Havens, and she is known on Instagram as the Tipsy Pincushion, and I think maybe her underhandle was something like the sophomore sewist or something, but don't let that fool you. There is nothing sophomoric about what the kind of work that Becca Havens creates. Um, also, she has this wonderful email handle, and it's Miss B Haven. <laughs> and I just thought that was like not her real name. And so when I was going to interview her, I was like, "Oh, well, what's your real name? Your name really can't be Miss B Haven." And she's like, "Well, actually, <laughs> it can because my name is Becca Havens." And you, you will see a bit of her misbehaving in our conversation today because um, she catfished me. And so we will, oh. we will certainly talk about her catfishing me. But um, welcome to the program, Becca. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you in person finally. Thank you so much, Lisa. It is very, very nice to finally chat. So one of the reasons that this episode is called Buy All the Machines is because Becca Havens has so many different types of sewing machines, types and forms that I had not seen. I thought I had a lot of machines. <laughs> I have a couple of sewing machines. I have a serger. I have an overlock machine. Um, I have a friend that has a blind hammer, but I don't do that much blind hemming. So I didn't need a designated blind. Hem- Look at her. See, you see her going, Ooh, <laughs> add to the list. This woman has so many amazing machines, and I I will talk about that, but I just want to get started at first talking about your sewing background, Becca. How did you get started in sewing, and why were you calling yourself, or why do you continue to call yourself the sophomore sewist? I... I've been sewing only for a couple of years, maybe three whole years, I think would be maybe this fall. Um, and I mean, it's a constant learning process. So I always feel like, you know, like a, a total newbie at, at each new project. Um, I did sew a little bit when I was little, just literally for like two weeks, I had got my hand on my uh, godmother's machine and it came with some patterns. I think I was like 10 and I was so excited to learn how to sew. You know, we were at a country house and I thought like, this is such a country thing to do. Like I'm going to sew my clothes. And I followed the pattern and I was so proud of me. And then I realized like what I had made was like a vest for a toddler. Like it was, it was so small. (laughs) Like I was like, I can't fit into my little patchwork vest and I never sewed again. Uh, my great aunt was an incredible seamstress who used to send uh, me little outfits, uh, for Halloween and such. And my aunt was a quilter, uh, and was never into garments, but so sewing was sort of always around, 
but I'd never really dove into it. And, um, I don't know, one day I saw a pattern online and I got super inspired and just wanted to try and thought, darn it, I'm going to pull out my aunt's like very old 1980s hand-me-down machine and give it a try. And I absolutely fell into a sewing rabbit hole that I'm still in. (laughs) I can't get out. That is, that, I think that's an awesome way to describe it, this sewing rabbit hole, because I feel like you are, you know, all, I mean, I find it really hard to believe that you have only been sewing for three years. That, yeah. is, that doesn't, it doesn't seem like, I mean, I know that there's certain um, phrases to describe like ambitious beginner, confident beginner, but I feel like even those terms are not suitable for you and the stuff that you create. And um, yeah, so it's just like, I'm just trying to figure out how this is, where the sophomoreness comes in. But I love your idea about describing how you approach every project as a new project. Every project is kind of like a new learning process, which is how it should be for all of us. There's so much to learn. I just, I honestly, like I had this sort of vision, right? So I want, I learned, maybe it's four years, but I don't think so. I think it's coming up on three. And I, I, had this vision that like within four years, I should have amassed enough skills to feel, you know, very confident. So I started off with like, Oh, I'm the, I'm a freshman. So it's, no, no, I'm a sophomore. So it's like, I was going to proceed to being senior. You know, I sort of treated it like a, like a college experience. Yeah. Um, okay. And for me, jeans was, was the end, like to, to sew a pair of jeans that that to sew a pair of jeans at all seemed insane, but to also have them fit was like this whole, other level. That was my pinnacle goal of sewing. I did not expect to hit that this quickly, but you also got to think like, I've got a lot of free time. You know, like I don't have kids. I'm a nurse. I work 12 hour shifts. That gives me four whole days to go completely bananas in the sewing room. And it's been like that for, for like three years. Like it's just, my days off are spent sewing nonstop and that's a, re- it's, it's the way that you describe it. And that makes sense that, I mean, I really like that way that you mapped on your learning onto this kind of four-year program. It's almost like a four-year program of self-study. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's true. And so for me, if you are like at the end of your third year, you, you know, um, haven't been keeping like super tight track of it. Cause it's not like you were like ma- mapping it out like a university curriculum, but you were able to kind of track your progress based on the way that your skills advanced. You know, and so the idea that you've been able to go farther, faster than you imagine seems to suggest that your, you know, your personal course of sewing study has been really successful. I think That's what it, it is, sounds like to me. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think of it as a success. I mean, again, there's so much more to learn, um, but I, I just felt like a progression of skills And then for me, graduating to like fabrics that are more difficult, but using the skills you already owned uh, or, you know, mentally owned seemed like the way I was going to approach this. So I feel like I put a lot of technical skills under my belt and they're all still very messy and sometimes they're sloppy, but at least I can sort of recognize the terms and know what they mean. And I'm still sort of in this holding pattern of easier to sew fabrics, which are not necessarily the fabrics that are best for any given garment. Right. I just, that to me is my like junior sewing, junior level sewing for me is like, I am now branching out into rayons and things that are just 
ridiculous. It's like sewing water, you know, and it's yeah, much harder. I remember for me. you um, when you were trying. I think you were working on a, I think a Zadie jumpsuit, and you were putting either Ugh. the binding on or something. And when you gave that tensile fabric the finger, Ooh. I fell out laughing, <laughs> y'all. I, th- I don't know if you have it pinned in your Instagram stories or pinned in your highlights, but oh my gosh, I felt that in my spirit. You were it pinning and pinning moving. and pinning, <laughs> and then you got to the end, and it was like four inches of extra or two inches Ugh. of extra and you gave that fabric the finger it was so done i was like she was she was like that's it i have had it so i have had done. it with you but and it I think feels so good though tencel is so amazing but oh, it is just the pits to work with it does it's it's reca- it's, a, it's a recalcitrant fabric it's it really a recalcitrant is. fabric it's it, naughty it is naughty it is non-compliant um <laughs> It absolutely is all of those things that you're describing. One of the things I love about the way you were describing some of the skills that you've acquired or skills you like to practice is something that I recognize that you share, that you and I share in common, and that you seem to have the same love of fussy cutting that I do. I have a deep and abiding, intense love for fussy cutting. (laughs) I love making sure that um, my seams are precise. I love making sure that my patterns meet in the way that I want. I just spent, um, I don't know what felt like <laughs> I, I was like, if I, I, I can't even estimate how much time I spent. I put an invisible zipper in a dress that was made with um, a bunch of circles. And I wanted to make sure that when I zipped the back of the dress up, oh. both halves of the circles would meet to, co- oh. to form a complete circle. Ooh. I didn't want these weird oblong. And so basically it's not that hard. You take your circle, you divide it in half. Then you add five A seam allowance on the other side mm-hmm. and you cut it that way and you're done, right? Perfect. Zim, zam, zoom, done. So I threw I threw one, I threw the invisible zipper in, didn't baste it, just threw it in. And one oh. half, perfect, right? The other half, I took that thing <laughs> apart. I was nudging it up, nudging it down, basting, <sighs> sewing, unsewing. And at one point I was like, do I really care that much? Do I care? Yeah. Do I care that much? And it turns out that Heck yeah. Yes, you do. (laughs) I really do care that much. And so I finally got it together. And finally, you know, the, the, the dress, the entire dress is like the skirt is five, is five panels, three in the front, two in the back. And every single, every single one of those patterns has the dots all going in the Uh, same direction, all on the same line. And when you zip it up, up. I know. Right. So (laughs) that's what I noticed for your, um, I think this is an Ikea fabric that you're using. Oh, yeah, the, the orange slices. The orange slices. The orange slices, which I totally love. And actually, the dress I'm speaking of that I made is also Ikea fabric. It's bed sheets. Ah. So I took the sheets. Um, it's um, a duvet cover. Duvet ah. cover with pillowcase. So I could get the bodice out of the pillowcase, and I could get the dress out of one half of the duvet. Oh, nice. And so... Um, I, so I had that same like feeling of like satisfaction when you, um, I think this is one of your posts when you said, I think you marked it not bad because you had those layers so perfect for the big orange slices. And then you got them matched up it and you sewed them perfectly. They matched. And then you put on the skirt and do you remember what you called it? <laughs> My crotch proceed. <laughs> Yeah, that's she, Master Crotch Theater right there. He called it Master Crotch <laughs> Theater because the way that the curves of the slices and then the little dots, it just, and when you called it the proscenium, a crotch proscenium, I 
howled. I, I fell mean, out laughing. That fabric, I've been trying to use that fabric for literally three years. We don't have an Ikea. A friend of mine went home to her hometown and was inside the Ikea and was like taking some pictures and saying that she was like, do you want any of this stuff? And I was like, oh yeah, I get it. Now I couldn't touch it. I didn't realize how large the print was. And it turned out to be this basically canvas you know, with this yes. enormous pattern on it. And every time I tried to use it, I couldn't it's, it's not symmetrical. Like it's every six feet. It's a repeat. Like it was just impossible. I think I ended up, I used a chunk of it for, um, to make a cover for my serger. That's the, as far as I went with it. And then this skirt pattern, uh, came and I was like, Oh goody, I can, I can make this sort of symmetrical on both sides. Cause it buttons up the middle. And then when I cut the pieces, I was like, this looks like a stage with curtains and it's just opening over my crotch. And I, and I was like, and I've never really made a bold move to try to pattern match before. Cause I find it very difficult. And, and sometimes you just want to bang out a garment and I wanted to That's bang right. out this garment. And I was like, there's no banging out this garment because this matching situation is crazy, but the pockets were the best feature of the skirt, right? It, it's the, um, Fiore skirt from closet case. And it's got, just got these neat curved patterns set at an angle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's just no way I'm going to be able to do this. And I walked away from that for probably three weeks before I like got brave enough to cut those pockets. Even cutting them made me nervous. Sewing them on there was a whole other situation. And there's still like, I am so proud of me on that one because the two sides of that skirt may look sort of symmetrical, but the, it's not. That print, it, those little orange pips and seeds are just, they are all kinds of wacky. And I was super proud to get that accomplished. I'm not mm-hmm. sure the next time I'm going to try that again. It looks wonderful. And I mean, I really, again, once again, I'm like shocked that you say that this was your first time pattern matching because I've been really, you know, jazzed about pattern matching for, you know, almost my entire sewing career. And what you're doing was almost exactly what I do. <laughs> you know, and so like it's just like I just thought you were, you know, you had been doing this a while, and of course you stack it up, you do the pin, and you flip it back, you check Ooh. it, you cut it, you go, and that's what I thought you'd done, and you know, which you ultimately obviously did because the results are really good. It did work. I mean, and sometimes it's just like wow, that landed on the first try, and it's like you know, you feel like a gymnast with a dismount. You're just like, oh, woo! Like, I 10, know, right? 10. Like, this oh. like ten, ten, ten. <laughs> Throw my hands in the air and wave them like I just don't care. I mean, seriously, I have had those. Well, I did something like that. I just, I don't know what it was. I forget. It was something that obviously that I was sewing and I just kind of zip, zip, zoomed. And I was like, oh, look at that. Look at that. That looks perfect and deliberate. And it was neither. (laughs) I did not intend for it to turn out so well. So it's accidental perfection is the best kind accidental perfection is the best kind. Feels so good. So I want to talk about why I wanted to talk to you about buy all the machines. And one of the thing, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this with you is because I think you have a lot of different kinds of machines and you not only have like home sewing machines, like many of us have, you also took the step to go into do industrial machines. And I remember following you through this journey or this process, your thinking process, um, as you were, I think it's might have, was it a year ago or so? It was about a ago? year. It was about a year. About a year ago. And so I remember you were making something with buttonholes and your sewing machine was being a pain in the neck mm. and it was not doing right. And no. it kept messing up the buttonholes and you were getting upset and frustrated. And I was like, well, I think she just needs to get, you know, 
a machine that does better buttonholes. Like I got a baby lock. I love mm-hmm. mine. I press Ooh, the button. Yeah. I, I put the button in there. I press the button. It sews the buttonholes. I have yet to have a problem um, with buttonholes and that machine. And, you know, so buttonholes aren't a problem for me. All I do is put the fabric under there, put a button Boom. in it, press the button and go. And so when you took the, a different approach and you said, I am going to buy a buttonhole <laughs> machine. And I was like, why on earth? If she says she's a sophomore sewer, she's been sewing what, two years now? Yeah, it was a bold move. And then she's about to get an industrial Buttonhole, and, yeah. and I hardly even know what that is. And like, you know, that it's like, well, I've been sewing 20 years and I ain't got no buttonholer. And you know, how is she, what does she need that for? Is she going to be opening up a buttonhole shop? It was like, a rabbit was, hole. I found it. Felt, and you were doing this research and then you came up and then, so this was me like being like petty patty and being like, I don't know why she get to have one. I ain't got one. La la la. <laughs> and then I was showing, um, some friends once you finally got it and you finally got it set up. And I watched one of those videos and I showed some friends, some sewing friends. We watched that thing and y'all it's inspiring i tell you this machine is nothing like i had ever seen before you know this when you talk you can say things like oh this machine is fire but this machine is actual straight fire fire. yeah actual (laughs) laser cutting fire you fire actual fire you press the button well i can't even explain it i'm gonna let her explain it but what i saw was she sat down, she pressed a button, mm-hmm. in three seconds there was a buttonhole, yep. and then there was smoke <laughs> coming out of the, the not only did it sew the buttonhole, it cut it, it cut with it. a freaking laser. So <laughs> you have got to tell us about this company, Jack, or I think that's who you got it from. It was, was yeah, it was a Jack. I hadn't heard of them. So tell Me us neither. about tell us about how you fell down the buttonhole machine rabbit hole okay. and came up with a jack. Okay. So this was a long journey, but I'm going to just, I'm going to give you the reader's digest version of this journey. So my first machine was my aunt's, uh, like late eighties Kenmore. And it was a great machine. Uh, and then it just, it just gave up the ghost. It just wasn't, it couldn't do it anymore. It was, and it was very slow. And I decided I wanted to keep sewing. So I purchased a really nice, uh, mechanical, uh, is it Janome or Genome? I don't even know how to pronounce that. I think it's Janome. Is it Janome? Okay. Um, a non-electronic, a non-computerized Janome machine. Uh, it was called like a Magnolia something. It was wonderful. Still have it. Um, and it would, I was sewing these garments and then it, it came time to do the buttonholes for things and it just could not do it. And a sewing machine, remember, buy all the machines, a sewing machine came across <laughs> my plate uh, via Facebook Marketplace, and it was a much more uh, advanced um, Janome machine. It's actually a quilting machine. It's the, uh, oh, what's it called? A QCP 8000 something or other, right? Uh, it's okay. 10 times the machine I originally had, and at an incredible price, and I could not resist it because I like machines. I also like a good sale, and I bought it specifically because I assumed this will certainly be able to do buttonholes that I require, right, since this is an upper-level consumer right. machine. Right. And boy, howdy, was I wrong. It, it just 
couldn't do it. And I thought it was me. And I tried, I changed all the variables. I tried the wonder tapes. I tried the, I tried stabilizer. I tried everything. I trimmed my seams back further. I graded them. I did everything you're supposed to. And it just would botch 60% of all buttonholes. And I was, and let me tell you what's so frustrating. And I know everybody, well, many people have been there. I can say I have been there many times. You do a sample buttonhole on your sample fabric and it's perfect. perfect. (laughs) And then you put your real fabric in there and the machine's like ha 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 bitch ha, ha. <laughs> destroyed and I was like I want to make shirts I can't make shirts if I like I was scared to sew one buttonhole sewing six or seven was out of the question right and it was really frustrating and I was on Instagram you know because obviously you know Instagram's got the best sewing community ever Agreed. and I someone in New York and I wish I could remember who it was um had taken their jeans that they had sewn to the garment district and paid someone else to do a buttonhole. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That, whoa. Yes. That, cause that's not done on no home genome, nothing. That, that is some, no. some industrial situation. And no. I saw the machine in action and it was just this giant honking metal beast. And I was like, well, I certainly can't have one of those in my house, but I really want to know if there's a consumer version of a buttonhole machine. I mean, there's sergers, there's blind hem. Uh, why not? Right. That's right. Uh, turns out, no, there really is not a, <laughs> so, so, I mean, someone could make a lot of money, uh, with this concept of, a, you know, a home sewer's buttonholer doesn't exist. And, and again, Instagram provides partly because our phones are always listening to us. So it sort of started dumping these, um, you know, other posts in my lap of a company called Jack and I'd never heard of it. And it, you know, they do industrial sewing machines and it turns out they're, you know, one of the larger, uh, the industrial machine supplier, um, uh, basically on, on the entire other side of the planet, right? So these gigantic garment factories uh, that make most ready-to-wear clothes. A lot of them are using this company's machines, and it looked as if they wanted to sort of make a turn into commercial into um, consumer sewing. So they do have, you know, lock stitch machines for really decent prices. I just, you know, I would love to have one. I just can't justify yeah, if it. If you're listening, you can send us <laughs> and we will be um, ever so grateful. Yeah. We're really <laughs> awesome people, Jack. Jack, yeah. you really just got to know us well. And, Hashtag um, all the things, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And Becca really loves your machines. And I do. So, yeah, I, I would love them too if I had one. So, <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll put my address at the end of the episode. At the end. <laughs> how to contact me. Well, they already know how to contact me because I had a, a prolonged back and forth uh, with their representative when I found out they had not one, but two different industrial button holders for sale to the public. And one of them was computerized and one was not. And um, after much back and forth and much hemming and hawing about it, because I mean, I can't lie, that was not a cheap machine. But like I said, I don't have kids. I don't, have, I don't travel. I kind of don't do much. I have a lot of free time and all I want to do is sew. And the buttonholes were really ruining hard. 12, it for me. A 12 hour shift is no joke. So yeah, it's no joke. Like, you know, all three days, all four days. I mean, like you are putting in the work when you're there. So you yep. get to work hard and play hard. And we're That's not going right. to let buttonholes get in the way of that. Oh, and so. they were getting in the way. The buttonholes were breaking my heart and ruining my, my, my garments. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do this thing. And I did that thing and it took, uh, weeks to ship uh, cause it came straight from China and it was unbelievable to put together cause the computer components are just mind blowing. It's just wires everywhere. But when I fired that thing up and it sewed a perfect keyhole buttonhole, my mind was 
explode. It's got a, I mean, it's sort of terrifying, right? It's this huge metal thing. It's got this incredibly sharp knife. Uh, you do not want your fingers near this thing. Um, but it, it blows out buttonholes in any shape you want in in a second. It's crazy. And it's just like my little, my little, you know, industrial sewing corner of my, of my sewing room. And it makes me so happy. I've never regretted buying that thing. I am so, I'm so glad to hear that because I can tell you're delighted with it. I can really tell you're delighted with it because, you know, you, but you were able to solve a sewing problem, um, that, that you had and to do it in a way where you don't have to ever worry about it again. That's how it feels, you know? And so like, you might have, say you have some tinsel or whatever, and it's really irritating and frustrating. You're like, Oh my gosh, the last thing I want is to slide Mm -hmm. that slip and slidey fabric underneath this presser foot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you don't have to worry about that. If you want to do a buttonhole and you pop it under there and off it goes. So I I have seen it in action and I feel like it would probably even be better demonstrated if they um, if they recorded a video in like fifty percent time and like slid it slid it slid it down slowed <laughs> it down slowed it down to like you know half speed. It's shocking. It's hard, it's hard to even watch. Like I'm like yeah. I, I think I blink and I missed it. It's gone. You know. Yeah. So not only what like for mine, of course, it takes more time. So I, like I said, I love mine. I put the button in. I press the button. The button holds there. Ta-da! But then I take it off. I always put fray check on the front and back mm-hmm. of my zippers. I'm sorry, of my buttonholes. And then I let it dry. And then I use my buttonhole knife mm-hmm. and I press down with the knife to cut and it. I hope you don't cut through it. Well, definitely. Well, I have a, I have a little board that goes underneath it so I can press through it. But I'm always hoping that I'm like going straight down and mm-hmm. I don't like lean in one direction or next. Mm-hmm. So I stab myself in the chest with the buttonhole <laughs> knife. And just, you know, Try explaining that to an ER nurse. Exactly, right? <laughs> Are you sure you don't have substance abuse problems? I do, but that's not why we're here, okay? We're not here to talk about, you know, my issues. We're here to talk about this buttonhole that tried to kill me. It has nothing to do with when I drink or if I drink. This is not... not. This is not the situation we find ourselves in today, nurse. What we are doing is trying to, you know, fix fix a big hole in my chest Um, because buttonholes are stupid. And I wish I had got um, catfished into an industrial thing like uh, Behavens has told us. I'm telling you, I mean, it was there were definitely moments where I had regret because it was terrifying. I mean, there's this, like it showed up, it weighed like 250 pounds. Like it was unbelievable to put together. It's like getting a new roommate. It's like getting a new roommate. (laughs) My husband looked at it and he was like, you've got to be kidding me that this is what you bought. And he, because he's the one who had to put the whole thing together. I mean, he and I spent a couple days trying to figure this out. And, you know, it's got this giant uh, manual that is just, it, I mean, it put Ikea manuals to shame. It was just like arrows and like just, it was crazy, oh but we got it. And, uh, it threads like a, like a, like a regular mechanical machine. Um, okay. uh, which is thank God. Cause threading is no fun. You know, when threading is bad, it's, it makes you want to cry, but it, it threads fairly easily. I do. I always do a practice or two. Um, you know, I make my little dummy mock-up of like, well, this is the number of layers of the thing I'm about to make and I'll just do a test one. And then I just go for it. And it's just like, bing, 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 done, done, done. And it feels so good. And the regret was brief only cause I was like, it really only does one thing. Is it worth it for one thing? 
you know, but I just felt so happy with the machine that I had that I didn't want to upgrade my sewing machine again, just to get buttonholes and potentially have it fail. I'm also one of those people that has like 20 single use kitchen gadgets. So this is just kind of who I am. <laughs> He's like my lemon zester, my lemon right. zester, right. a yogurt machine, a mixer, a pasta. Mi- like, this is just what I do. So now I do it for sewing. That is incredible. So can you talk about some of the different types of buttonholes that you can do with that machine? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mentioned yeah. the keyhole was the first one. <laughs> and so like, what are some of the other ones? I know we know that, you know, the machines have different types. You know, you want a keyhole for a certain type of opening. Right. You want one that's more square. What kind of things have you been really excited about to find in the new machine? This what's cool about, and it was very overwhelming at first because it will literally do anything you tell it to, but and you sort of have to have, uh, you know, you have to know what measurements you want, et cetera, et cetera. It, it can do the buttonhole you want down to, you know, the density on each side. You can make all four different if you want. It will make a keyhole buttonhole. It'll make an eyelet. It'll do rectangles. It'll do ovals. It'll do rectangle on one end and oval on the other end. It'll do round. It'll do round on one end and keyhole on the other end. It will do any combination of any hole you want. I think the maximum... I think the maximum size is maybe an inch, a whole inch. Like it was just shy, like a coat buttonhole barely is as big as it'll get. And it'll get as small as an eyelet, a round eyelet. Um, so figuring out those dimensions was, was hard for me. Um, just interpreting the, um, instruction manual is, was not easy for me, but it's got a lot of pictures, which helps. Um, and it had, came with a few presets. So what I'd been doing was sort of tackling the presets and tweaking them to how I wanted. So then you can save them, just like a memory in a right, you know, a, a larger computerized machine, and name them. So I've got like Miss Behaven's jeans buttonhole, Miss Behaven's shirt buttonhole, <laughs> like because oh I'm a total dork like that, you know, like Miss Behaven's cuff buttonhole, slightly smaller than the shirt buttonhole. Like just it's absurd. Uh, and they're all color coded. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. Incredible. And like the way you approach the machine, I'm looking at one of, um, one of the videos, it looks like you're sitting at it almost at a side angle, like rather than when you face the front of the machine with our shoulders square with the, you know, with the wheel on our right and the, you know, but yours is totally different. It's almost like you, you, you're almost perpendicular. You're completely um, perpendicular, which surprised me for some reason. I'm not sure why, but it, uh, cause part of my, you know, research rabbit hole was like, find every YouTube video of this machine. The only YouTube videos of this machine are from manufacturing companies in South Asia. And it, so I'm just watching multiple videos of this thing, making piles of shirts. Like it's, so wild, like, you know, and you do sit at the front, right? So it's sort of, it feels oddly, it honestly feels like it's going to eat you because you're just like, you're just (laughs) approaching it head on. You know, it's like, you are not the master of this machine. This machine can just get you. That's what it, you know, it feels like looking into the mouth of a monster, Um, but a kind, benevolent monster. And you make good buttholes that don't don't make you cry or break your heart. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. And you just, you, it's, it honestly operates very much like a plain sewing machine. You know, it's got a presser foot, it's got a, um, a foot pedal and you just slip the thing in, it automatically closes it. You push the button and then boop, it just, it does it. And then it releases the fabric like the, the presser foot's automatic. 
Wow. I mean, that is very, that's really incredible. I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, we can talk about some of the other machines that you might have or might be leaning toward thinking about getting, as well as some of your favorite um, upcoming projects, current projects. Sure. Talk about your gene sewing. And we have to tell everyone how you catfished me. So um, (laughs) hold on, everybody. We will be back. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back in a bit. Stitch Please podcast is really growing. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and ask a favor. If you are listening to this podcast on a medium that allows you to rate it or review it, for example, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do so. If you're enjoying the podcast, if you could drop me a five-star rating, if you um, have something to say about the podcast um, and you wanted to include that, a couple sentences in the review box of Apple makes a really big difference in how the podcast is evaluated by Apple, how it becomes more visible. It really is a way to kind of lean into the algorithm that helps to rank podcasts. Um, So if you had time to do that, to drop a little line in the review feature of the podcast, that would be really appreciated and it would help us to grow even further and faster. everybody to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch. And I'm talking today with Becca Haven, who is also known as the Tipsy Pin Cushion on Instagram. We've been talking about buy all the machines because um, she has this an amazing industrial buttonhole machine. And one of the questions I was going to ask Becca is, has this experience with the industrial sewing machine made you think seriously about getting other industrial sewing machines? I know some people really like um, or prefer industrial sewing machines because of the strength and power of the machine. Um, I've seen some that come with like shoots that they have shoots of, um, the, like I think, I think like maybe it's for the for their sergers or their overlockers that mm-hmm. went rather than gathering it in a little basket like we have for our sergers, um, the fabric goes down into a chute, wow. and there's a trash can that sits at your feet and it just goes down in there. Um, the presser feet, all these things look different. I didn't know if when you were going down your buttonhole rabbit hole, did it make you think like, well, maybe I want to try to get another industrial machine, another you know. I, so the machines that I do have, right. I've got that, the, my beloved Janome, like whatever, uh, quilt quilter 8,900 or whatever it's actually called. And I do love that machine very much. It's fast enough for me. It does what I need it to do except for the buttonholes. And then the other machine I use for sewing, um, is a, a like a late fifties singer, um, 99. It's okay. a three quarter, a three quarter size, uh, machine and it's wonderful for denim. So that's its primary usage. I don't try to like 
so thick denim seams in layers on that quilting machine because I'm just terrified of destroying it. Um, and so those that's it for me for just sewing. Um, I'm very tempted to sort of consolidate and only need the one machine. If I had like an industrial lock system machine, it would perform both duties. But I'm a bit of a sucker for a decorative stitch and I don't use them often, but that quilting machine's full of them. And every once in a while, I just, I love being like, Ooh, a scalloped rainbow stitch on a pocket. Like I, like, I get yeah. to do that, you know, and it sort of keeps me from wanting um, well, it doesn't keep me from wanting it, but it keeps me from requiring in quotes, um, an embroidery machine or something that can do, you know, more detailed embroidery work. Um, I'm tempted by those things, but it's really so unnecessary for me at this stage of my sophomore sewing career, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, uh, that those two machines serve me well. And then I do have a, you had mentioned baby lock before I have a baby lock serger uh, right. that is also my light, my love, my everything. Um, and it does all the things I need a serger to do. Um, I came across, again, fell into my lap, an old Husqvarna um, Viking uh, cover stitch. Um, you want to talk oh, about right. a threading nightmare? Holy oh, Toledo. Yeah. I'm looking at it. I see it. That The Husky Lock 936. Yeah. yeah it's a four thread. Is it, is it challenging? Oh, that machine, well, I'm used to the baby lock, right? So I'm very used to, like, your surgery, you just approach it very gently, talk to it nice, and, like, hit a button, and it's just like, foop, and it sucks up the thread, and you're done. I do love a self, that baby lock self-threading surgery, y'all. I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun, and it's not frustrating. Nope. And that's what I want from sewing. Right. Like, I don't want to be frustrated. This is my... This is my happy place. Yeah. I I don't want to get so frustrated that I walk away, which is what had happened originally with the buttonholes. I don't want to experience that again because it makes the, it just makes it no fun. And as much as I wanted a cover stitch machine, I could not justify a self-threading one because those are terribly expensive and I don't sew enough knits to really justify it. Right, um, right. That makes but, sense. Yeah, but this one, and I had bought a buttonholer. I mean, like, you know, like that, that <laughs> sort of was, I shot my wad on the large purchase with the buttonholer. But I, this one came into my lap at a very reasonable price and a steal, really. I could not say no. And I've threaded it once because it took an hour and a half. Uh, it's extremely wow. challenging, you know. And of course, after I purchased it, when I went on the internet and looked, everyone said the same thing. They're like, this is crazy town to thread, you know, and they were right. Um, so everything's getting hot, pit, hot pink, um, cover stitching. Cause I don't want to ever change the thread again. <laughs> so just everything is hot pink. That's it. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. You know, and that's it for me in machines. Well, that's I'm- not actually it for you in machines <laughs> because, um, Look at her. See y'all. Miss B Havens is absolutely right. Because I know that you and I have a machine in common that's a bit of a rare gem. Do we? Um, yes. We both have a simplicity bias tape. <gasps> oh my God, you're right. That does count as a machine. I was thinking that is more of like an accoutrement, but you are right. That actually is a super special little machine that we have in common. That, I'm, I'm thrilled you, to own. 
if you ever see one at an estate sale or somewhere at Goodwill or somewhere where some so a person is um, you selling know, it and doesn't know what they have, <laughs> and they don't, they're like, I don't like bias tape. I don't want this thing. Right. Well, I think, yeah, I, if you ever see one of these, it's a little tiny thing. It's about the size of like a full size tissue box. And what it does is that it takes strips of bias and you just roll it on, it feeds it in, it folds it, and it presses it. It's amazing. It is so amazing. I bought mine maybe seven years ago from Joann's because Simplicity at the time was still selling them. Mm -hmm. And then I kept seeing um, some of the notions for it at Tuesday morning. If, which is a, a shop here um, in the U.S., y'all, who that sells all types of like overstock goods that are in all different. It's kind of like oh, a funny. hodgepodge, like right? An odd, like an odd lot. It's like an odd lot. It yeah. It's a lot like an odd lot. Odd lots, and they divide it into sections. Like they don't have grocery like big lots has. It's more like they have luggage. They've got cooking yeah. things. They've got craft things. They've got bedding. They have just tchotchkes, you know, all and they had the pieces things. to the bias machine. Yeah. They had the, they had tips. I bought like five different tips. They had, um, oh, that's the nice. thing that you can use to roll it on. And so the, the upshot of this y'all is that what it saves you from is using the manual bias tips where you move that metal, um, pointy thing along and your iron kind of follows it. Some and people burn your also fingers make bias. It helps, helps your fingers. When I first got mine, I think I did something similar to you. I see that when you got yours, um, you made, um, you instantly made a mountain of bias tape, 12, 12 yards of rainbow sky bias tape. 15 yards of that stuff. Not only did I make 12 yards, I made 12 yards out of like 25 different fabrics. So I have like actual, uh, if I have, if I have, I don't know, 75 yards of bias tape that I have made in my house right now. If I have 75, I got 200 because I went bananas. Do you hear me? Yeah. I went open your own bias shop. I am telling you, and I just loved it. And so like you're using yours for Hong Kong finishes. So tell me about Mm -hmm. how you came across that bias tape machine, because those are scarce as hen's teeth. I honestly do not know where that came from because I got that as a present for my husband for Christmas. And it was the kind of, so when we do gift giving, we make each other, we've been married for quite some time. So like surprising each other is tough. So we make little lists of like five or six items and all, you know, and exchange the list. And then like, there's a minor surprise when you open your gift on Christmas and that was on my list. I never in a million years thought he would find it. It was just, I, you know, we each put on like one major item and like six smaller items. That was my major item. And cause I knew it would, co- it would require a hunt and, uh, yes. and damn it. He found that thing. I was, I, that's the first Christmas surprise I've had in a long time. That's like speaking your love language. Yes. My love language is bias tape. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into talking about the, I want to talk about like your Mardi Gras dress um, and oh, any yeah. of your projects. So here's the thing with um, me and Miss uh, Tipsy Pincushion. 
this is what happens when you follow people on the internet. You know how your parents. Is this, about, this is going to be about the taping, isn't it? This this is yeah. about this is not about the taping. This is about the catfishing. That's <laughs> Let's just say what it's really about. Mm-hmm. So, I was following her on Instagram, and she had this beautiful picnic dress. It had this. Um, it had a bias. It had a it had a bodice that was gathered, and one of the, and it had spaghetti straps. Um, that were adjustable. And one of the reasons I liked it was because you didn't have to wear a bra Mm -hmm. because it was um, lined on the inside. It held everything in. um, And it was just really pretty. And I was like, gosh, that is a nice dress. Why don't you tell me more about it? So she proceeds to tell me that this is the, I think it was called a picnic dress. Uh dress. from somebody, somebody, and I, yeah. you know, me being apparently the copycat I am, was like, oh, well, I like dresses like that, and I, I love that silhouette, and I love the bodice, and, you know, I can make those spaghetti straps pretty easily because I've got this notion that I love that's great for making straps, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get this pattern, so I get the pattern. <laughs> I pay my actual U.S. money for it, uh-huh. and it arrives in my email, mm-hmm. and I open it up, and I proceed to look. And I'm looking to the left and looking to the right, and I do not see an AO format. I don't see that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking, and I'm telling you, Becca, I was so confused that I wrote to the pattern designer. And I was like, excuse me, miss, um, the AO format pattern needs, seems to be missing from my order. <laughs> oh. And she was like, oh, oh no, sorry, we don't have that. And I told her, and as I tell anybody, I cannot take patterns because it reduces my will to live. <laughs> so I am not able to tape a pattern together. Like, I can't do it because it's like, you know, it's a life-threatening condition. <laughs> and so... She was like, she explained to me that you really only had to tape the bodice piece together. And she gave me the dimensions because apparently there's some people out there that are taping that skirt together, which is (gasps) a giant rectangle. No, you should do that. And I was like, wait, what now? And so, yeah, yeah, so she was very kind and was like, no, no. um, Yeah. You only need to worry about taping the bodice. And that was maybe six pieces of paper. And I could live with that. Um, Not that I've forgiven you, but I could totally (laughs) live with that. Um, But it's worth it. It's such a good bodice. I, like you, loathe taping PDFs together. I know people love the immediacy of it. I just... Even with a giant cutting table that is, you know, the appropriate ergonomic height and with the sharpest blade in the universe, I still don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. I don't like cutting them. I don't like taping them. They're never lining up properly because I get lazy. Then they're crooked. Like, it's just, it's it's not for me. I think it was you, you had introduced me to uh, pdfplotting.com, right? This is the incident that spurred me discovering that. Yes. I, I'm glad you put that on record because I gave you actually helpful information. You did. You did. I actually, you, you saved about, my life. I told time. you about, I did. And in exchange, <laughs> you catfished me. In exchange for in exchange for me giving you useful and helpful information to help make your sewing life better, 
You gave I me information that, that made my life hard. So I don't I know like what to, kind of friendship this is supposed to be. But I'm I just, like to think of it. Now, hold on now. I like to think of it as that I introduce you to a six-page pattern for a bodice that is great in summertime that does not require a brassiere. I like to look on the bright side of that exchange. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> fair. that's fair. Because I have worn that dress because I do love it. And it is It is a great so dress. Great. That is the, it's called the picnic dress. It's by uh, Lila and June. She has a couple of um, dress patterns and I believe a skirt pattern as well that I think is a wrap skirt. Uh, and that, yes, she, they do not have AOs, so you just got to go for it. But, you yeah, know, it breaks my heart when I see people taping things together and they tape 60 pages of it and 40 of it is a square gathered skirt. Like, don't do that to yourself. That's just yeah. silly. Yeah. You know how to cut a rectangle. You know how. Exactly. You deserve better in life. Yeah. Step Nobody needs that. Step into the light. <laughs> and so you do a lot of fun costuming. So one of the great things about, um, I think, living in New Orleans is what I've been able to deduce from talking some from folks like um, Patrice J. Bridal, who is from New Orleans and now lives in St. Louis, is that she says that there's so many special occasions yes. growing up in this community. And so one of the things I thought was so remarkable was your Mardi Gras dress. I believe there was this Thank gorgeous you. yellow um, dress that you worked on. And you said one of the keys to that dress was your overcast foot, which I thought was interesting because since you have a serger and you have a cover stitch, you have these things, but it, you kind of resorted to the overcast foot. What yeah. made you choose that rather than, you know, one of the other machines you have? A couple different things. So I had that pattern had this insanely large flounce. It had, it was this just double layer of, I mean, it, I, it probably was enough flat to wrap around the world twice, but when you gathered it, it was, you know, across the front of the shoulders and around the back. Um, and the edge of it needed to be either a rolled edge or somehow finished. And it was this sort of poly netting that I was using. And I, there is a rolled hem, um, uh, foot and setting on the on the baby lock serger that I adore, but this stuff I didn't want to make it any shorter and I didn't want to cut it, right. um, and I didn't want to cut it unevenly. And also, probably there was hot pink in the serger, and I probably <laughs> did not want to fix that either. <laughs> and I remember that this this you know the Janome uh, eighty nine hundred QCP quilting monster has a ton of feet, m- most of which I don't use. You know, I use. Um, I use the regular presser foot and the zipper foot and the, sometimes the stitch in the ditch foot, very major favorite of mine. And I remembered it had an overcast foot. foot. Oh my gosh. That oh, I stitch love that the ditch is incredible. Oh, that is a true foot of the people. I mean, like I, God, God bless people who want to like slip stitch their bodice linings to the waist. No, thank you. Yeah. I will stitch in the ditch that stuff every time. Every time. Yeah. And so and, the overcast foot came, it was like the real MVP, you said, because yeah. it allowed you to do something that you thought you wouldn't be able to do, you know? Yeah. I thought I was going to have to leave it raw just because I was like, I, I, I'm just stuck with this length of this. I didn't want to shorten it. Um, 
you know, accidentally with the knife of the, the serger. And I mean, you can lock it, but then you still, it'll get caught or it'll eat the net and it'll get bunchy. And, but this was perfect. That overcast foot is, was a real surprise. I'd never used it before and it worked perfectly on the first go. It just, it has a funny little, um, inset with a funny little brush thing. And the, just the thread just loops around in this perfect, um, it, it's very hard to describe, but like mechanically the thread, like it makes the stitch wraps around the end, comes up and just kind of keeps wrapping, but not as tightly as a rolled edge, if that makes sense. Right. But it holds it all together. So it never unraveled and it looked really cute. I used a a contrasting thread and it looked adorable. And I think I'm going to use that foot a lot more often. And the finished project, and again, y'all, I urge you to check out the, t- the Tipsy Pin Cushions um, Instagram page because she's got a really beautiful set of photographs of her in this dress, um, which is, a, I don't want to spoil it because I want you all to go check it out. It's really a beautiful yellow <laughs> Thank dress. Thank you. And the, and the shoulder setting is just really, really beautiful. Um, I love that dress. It re- it's, it's a lot to love. I mean, it really is, um, it it's a real piece, you know, it really is. And you can tell that it's made with love and you can tell that it's a celebratory piece for Mardi Gras. You can, all of the things I think that you were hoping for with that dress definitely came to fruition. So I think that's really big kudos. So we talked about some of the, the favorite projects that you worked on. Can you share like what you're working on right now and what you think you might be doing next? Um, right now I, I'm doing two different things. I will like pre pandemic. I was doing one thing and then I kind of got sidetracked for uh, reasons I'm about to explain that are going to make a lot of sense. So I sew a lot of dresses. Um, you know, it's easy to get sucked into pretty dress patterns. They're fancy. They're beautiful. You just, you know, you get this opportunity to make a dress fit you properly, which is always amazing. You don't necessarily get a lot of wear out of them though. And cause I don't have that many special occasions. Right. So I wanted to really work on like a capsule wardrobe of everyday clothes that maybe would be less exciting, but that would get more wear. And that's okay. where the orange slice comes in. Um, the orange slice skirt was, was a piece of that capsule. And then the pandemic kind of happened and, and we were all sort of, you know, thrown for this bizarre emotional loop and everything was turned upside down and the world kind of went bananas. And I instantly was like, I must sew the fanciest, ridiculous dress I can. <laughs> like, it like I bring need the fantasy. The yeah. Totally bring on the fantasy time. So like I am back in fantasy land. I'm actually working on, uh, it's a Gertie charm pattern called the Liz dress. And it's just a total, you know, 1950s bombshell movie star looking bodice, uh, yes. it's just cleavage and fun, you know, beautiful shoulder straps that are very set, very wide. And, uh, it's got 6 billion pieces and it's underlining and boning and all of the things. So that's what I'm actually working on now. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. Does it have any buttons? It does not have any buttons, but it, you know what it has? It. <laughs> it has a lapped zipper, which is something oh. I've never been able to do properly. Um, I always just end up chickening out and throwing in an invisible zip uh, because that's the, just the zippers I know how to do. But this time I'm going to make the commitment yeah. and try to do it properly and get a nice vintage looking lapped zipper on this thing. I do not think that a lot, la- I do not think putting in a invisible zipper is somehow a cheat. Because I, really, I like the way, invi- I prefer the way invisible zippers look. I Me just too. prefer it. And I so I'm like, 
I know it's like, well, I guess if I have these skills, I should do this lap. But I just don't like them. I just, I, I just I don't like think. Look. I like the way they look, but you know, if you want to preserve a pattern, if you want a pattern repeat in a certain fabric and you want to preserve that look, and I guess because maybe I just love fussy cutting so much, I just, and and it's also surprisingly easy to put in an invisible zipper. Like- I find that they're easy too. I honestly use, I almost never put in regular zippers. I almost invariably put in invisible zippers. It was the first zipper I learned how to do. It was just the, you know, I, I, when I started sewing, I had a book that had uh, projects in stages. And when it got to the stage of like, and now we're going to make a dress and it's got a zipper and it's an invisible zipper. And I was like, okay, you know, like I, it didn't, I didn't perceive them to be more difficult than anything else. I now perceive them to be easier, but the pattern is, is, is designed to have this lab zipper. So I'm just going to let go and let zip and try it. You are going to do it and you're going to do it well, just like you do everything else. I think um, or you're going to find an invisible, you're going to find a lap <laughs> zipper machine. And then that's another thing that I can learn from you when you buy that lap zipper machine that's going to come like from thousands of miles away on it's a out there somewhere. Truck. <laughs> and away 250 pounds and your husband's going to be like, what the heck? What are you doing? <laughs> oh, with this, I'm te- v, uh, uh, Becca, this has been so much fun. This has I been a blast. So grateful that we, this was able to work out. Y'all, we have, we had so many ups and downs trying to get this conversation going. But as I said, I knew, I knew it was going to be totally worth it. Can you tell us, um, Becca, where people can find you on the socials, on social media? Do you have other pages or do you concentrate most of, most of your sewing, um, stuff with the, um, the tipsy pin cushion? I do. My entire sewing life and journey is, uh, solely on Instagram because that community is just, I mean, it kept me going. It's just, you, you shout out for help, help arrives. You see inspiration all the time. It's just a, it's a 24 hour a day worldwide sewing bonanza. And I love it. So yeah, my tipsy cushion uh, account at, uh, uh, Instagram is where I do my, my whole sewing life. Excellent. Well, I will include links to that in the show notes so people can follow you and follow Lovely. your, your sewing journey. Um, and I think I would like to make sure that you feel pretty fully promoted from sophomore <laughs> sewist to junior sewist. Oh, and you think so? You think I'm ready? Going, well, I mean, this is your program. I mean, I feel like you had, you said you wanted to have it as a four year thing and you, you said maybe you, I feel like you could be pretty much senior. I think anyone who was like, you know, rocking a buttonhole machine, qualifies as senior, but if you don't feel that way, let's just go ahead and say junior. Junior, all right. Year, junior in your curriculum, and we will check back in with you when you hit that senior year. Okay. <laughs> I cannot wait to see what machines you own by that Ooh. point. Um, all of them. All of them. All of them. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much. This has been a wonderful chat. Thank you, Lisa. It's been great. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so... Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now. By listening to the, pro- by listening to the podcast, it does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate 
the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally, we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. And that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S. And so if you drop $15 in the PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, no, not email, if you send me your mailing address to my email either at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com or you send me a direct message on the Black Women's Stitch Instagram page we will put the pin in the mail to you. Um, again free shipping, $15 for the pin and all of this goes to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. Thank you again for joining us this week. Come back next week and we will help you get your stitch together. <laughs> <laughs>